lo siento mucho que las, las noticias no pueden ver, uh, uh, no pueden saber um, uh, muy rápido. We learned on Tuesday that Pastor Aaron de la Borda would not be with us this weekend. Aprendimos en uh, martes que Pastor Aaron de la Borda no puede estar con nosotros esta mañana. So Rob's preaching in Spanish. Entonces voy a predicar en español. No, I, I, won't, I won't do that to him. Um, but Pastor Aaron has said he had to postpone his time to November. Pastor Aaron no, no puede estar aquí hasta el noviembre. Okay, but I'm going to ask the, them to play a five-minute message uh, from Pastor Aaron. It's a clip out of a message he preached in uh, Mexico City there. Or actually, just cool. Vamos a disfrutar, vamos a ver un, un, uh, un, un clip de, de un video um, de Pastor Ron cuando él predicó en, en uh, Texcoco hace unos, unos meses. Mm -hmm. So, this is a, a five minute message for Marisol. Este, este cinco minutos para Mar, Marisol. <laughs> okay, go ahead, thank you. Salud, a los años se pararon que de lejos y le dijeron ten misericordia de nosotros sé por qué se pararon de lejos porque Jesús andaba con otros y los otros eran prejuiciosos Jesús no tiene ningún prejuicio si él hubiera ido solo le decía a ver muchachos ¿qué pasó? les hubiera saludado de mal les hubiera dado un abrazo ¿qué pasa? nosotros somos así por eso que esto lo dice Nunca vamos a permitir que ninguna condición o situación de ninguno de los que nos vemos aquí se cause en manos de acción, de división, de alejamiento. No, dijo Jesús, al que a mí viene, yo no le estoy fuera. Podemos tener la suma confianza que no importa cuál sea nuestra condición, cuál es nuestro estado, en qué circunstancias llegamos a este recinto. Asegurémonos de estar seguros. Hay uno que dice que no se a nadie. No importa cómo vengamos, sus brazos llenos de misericordia nos acuerdamos de esperar. Y nosotros debemos apreciarlo. Pero como venía con esas personas juiciosas, eso les dijo, vayan y vosotros al sacerdote. Piense todo lo que hicieron ellos. Pongan atención. Les salió el encuentro. Número uno. Dos. Porque si, sí, note, se pararon de lejos. Alzaron la voz. Si hay un justo de acuerdo, ¿qué hacemos? Alzaron la voz. Diciendo, Jesús, maestro, ten psicólogo de nosotros. Fíjense cuántas cosas le dijeron. Sin embargo, no fueron limpios cuando les dieron al encuentro. No fueron limpios cuando se percataron de que él los había visto. No fueron limpios cuando ellos le dijeron Jesús. No fueron limpios cuando tomaron ten misericordia. ¿Sabe cómo fueron limpios? Y yo digo, vaya y muéstrense. Dice, y mientras, o quite el IVA y ponga esa palabra, ese verbo, y mientras, díganlo fuerte. Y mientras obedecían, ¿cuántas veces nosotros venimos aquí? Clamamos a Dios, pedimos cualquier cantidad de cosas, pero no obedecemos. Y es cuando ellos empiezan el proceso de la obediencia. 
Atendiendo a lo que Jesús les dijo, no cuestionaron. No, no, queremos que nos sanes, no que nos envíes, no que nos digas que vamos a terminar. No queremos eso, no queremos ver los sacerdotes, no queremos ir al templo, queremos que nos sanes. Que tenga... Siempre ven que nosotros a veces no entendemos cuál es el camino que Jesús establece para mi parte. Nosotros nos resta y mientras iba, ¿qué pasó? Ahora, recuerda, venid, postrémonos. Pero, venid, adoremos, postrémonos, arrodillémonos delante de Jehová. We're going to have the sheets for the test now. No, okay. Well, that's Pastor, and you got a feel for him if you didn't understand him, right? You got a good sense of who he is, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to have him here in November. This was during the 15th anniversary of the church in Texcoco, and in, 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 in apology, this is la mensaje, todo, okay? I'm going to give them the whole message in, on the DVD. There's a little, there's one on there from me too, okay? Open with me shortly, we got a little bit of time, Hebrews 13. Um, Rob did not finalize Hebrews 13. He told us he kind of left the door hanging open. And so, um, filling in for Pastor Aaron this morning, I, I talked with Rob. I said, well, maybe what we could do is just preach Hebrew, or uh, Luke 17 and let Aaron start it, and then we'd finish it and let Rob translate it. And that was not a good idea, was it? So we're going to go to Hebrews 13 this morning. Father, as I have asked you before, I ask you again before my friends and family here today that your grace would be enough for me and for us today. That your word would be broken to us as bread, the bread of life. And that our hearts would be rallied once again to the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not about us today, it's about you. And we pray that you would lift our hearts in your word and that you would grant us again a renewed hope for this week, for the days that come. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pick up at Hebrews 13:5 and read. It says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content, content with such things as you have, for he himself has said... I will never leave you, nor forsake you. The title in my mind for the message today would be, because we've used this series through Hebrews called The Best Covenant, The Best Blood, The Best Salvation, The Best Redeemer, The Best News. This is some of the best news in the Bible. God himself saying to us, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, and we probably have various versions. Mine says it this way. So look right here and listen to mine. Don't read yours. The Lord is my helper. Your turn. The Lord is my helper. I can see I need to preach a lot longer today. Kind of build faith here. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Thank you. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. 
I will not fear. What can man do to me? When this exhortation in verse 5 hits this, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Covetousness and financial fear are overcome by a contentment founded on the assurance of God's constant presence and the promises that He extends to us to supply our daily needs. Because of that, we're able to say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? His constancy is what we're talking about today. His constancy is found in verse 8. You probably know this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thinking of another passage, it says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And the old King James Version says, In whom there is no variableness of turning. If you and I go outside this afternoon, or when we're done here, and we stand in the parking lot and we talk, and we stand this way for a while, we're going to want to trade places because of whatever direction the sun's coming from. Because the person on one side is getting baked in the face and the one on this side is getting baked in the back. And if we're going to stay there a long time, we're either going to find shade or we're going to rotate and get a tan on the other side. (laughs) And as we do, the shadows will drop and change in various directions because of the source passing us as the object casting a shadow. God himself is the source. And in him there is no shadow. There is no shadow of turning. It matters not which direction he comes from or goes. There's no shadow. He's constant. He's permanent. He is Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. I like that we were singing this morning. And uh, you know if you've known me very long or been around a bit, you know I'm visual. I see things. I'd like to think I was a seer. That would put me in the realm of the prophet. But nonetheless, I get to see things. And we're singing, He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. Where is it going to go? Don't you love it when you walk into a dark room, and you think it's filled with nothing, and you hit the switch, and darkness flees? When God shows up in our lives, in our situations... There is light and darkness departs. We have need to keep our focus on the one who does not change. We have to stay focused on the one in whom there is no shadow of turning. Otherwise we cast a glance at the shadows. We see the difficult parts of life and we are unnerved by them. And so these final exhortations in Hebrews chapter 13, and there are a few, the one says, don't, you know, let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't always be longing for the things you don't have. Don't look around at what's available and say, but I don't have it. Did you know that's why advertising exists? 
Advertising is designed to make you long for something you don't have. That's all it's designed to do. And we expose ourselves to it regularly, constantly. The world is always saying, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have. And you're trained by it so much that when you're driving down the street, when you and I are just driving down the street in a car that we have, it's conveying us. We're getting there all right. We see the other one go by and say, I wish I had one of those. Right, Brittany. Covetousness unnerves us. It disorients us. It brings actually upon us a fear that we don't have enough. That we lack something. Paul the Apostle said, I've learned how to be content in whatever condition I'm. I've had a lot and I've had nothing. I've I've lived in, if you will, like a king. And on the other hand, I've been lost, shipwrecked in the ocean for days. And I've learned in whatever condition I am in to be content. Why? Because he had this same testimony. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, in God's economy, not that long ago, there were three Hebrew friends that did not bow down before an image before a false god and the king was enraged and said you've got to fall down if you don't fall down when the music plays and worship my golden idol then I'm going to throw you in a furnace and they said well we're we're not going to do that we've learned not to worship anything but the only true God and our God is able to deliver us and even if he doesn't We're not going to worship that thing. And the king was enraged and he lit the furnace and he told him to heat it seven times hotter than normal. That's a lot. I mean, furnaces are hot to start with, right? Seven times, the Bible says, so hot that they bound them in the ropes and the big brawny guys that took them up to throw them into the furnace were killed from the heat. But the king looked in the furnace and saw him walking around in there and there was a fourth man. And our English version says that he looks like the Son of God. There are various renderings of that, but we know who was in there with him. Having fellowship in the furnace. Amazing. I don't even know how they heard the king when he yelled for him to come out. I mean, this thing's going... Flames everywhere. Heat. Come on out. The only thing gone is the things that encumbered them. Their bind, their ropes. Their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. I hugged a few ladies on the way in here this morning. Ladies, thank you. Because I smell like you. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm standing here thinking, not even smell smoke. I thought, no, but I could, that's, uh, I can tell you who that is. And tell you who that is. I always leave here smelling better than when I got here. That's why I associate, but they didn't even smell like smoke. That's Jesus the same yesterday. Is he able to do that today? See, what the world wants us to do, and in our discontent, the world wants us to question that. 
The enemy of our soul wants us to question that. Well, yes, he, he did that in the past. But when I ask the question, will he do it today? That's where the question mark shows up. I said, well, I know he can. But will he? And there's a lot of things we could put in here. I don't have time to go at them. But part of that's about who we think we are in Christ. Because our summary sometimes goes like this. He has done it. He can do it. Will he do it? Probably not for me because I'm less than whatever we think ourselves of. We lower our esteem and say, well, God probably should do that for somebody, but he probably will never do it for me because I'm such a sinner, because I'm such a lost, because I'm such a whatever my family told me, whatever my boss yelled at me last week, or whatever I think about myself when I look in the mirror. I'll let you into my prideful, arrogant world. I told Peggy this the other day. I, I actually have a pretty good self-esteem. Um, but it's, I don't consider it to be self-esteem. I believe it to be God-esteem. Because of what the Bible says about me. It says the same thing about you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm just, it doesn't yet appear what it will be, but this I know, I'm a child of God now. I'm born again of the incorruptible seed I'm his son I'm his friend I'm, he loves me God says if I'll be for him he'll be for me I mean, if God be for me who can be against me I mean, there's a lot of scripture that has built up what I think about myself and when I'm standing around in a public place and, and this happened this is why I said it to Peggy somebody was going down a set of stairs and I was standing up at the top of the railing kind of waiting on something looking the other way and I glanced down and I noticed this person look at me and then look to the stairs and then quick look back again and I thought they probably mistook me for a movie star (laughs) no you don't have to worry about that so I just held my pose and it struck me that's my pride my arrogance there But it struck me that it doesn't enter my mind that they probably thought I was a crook and I just stole something. Or that I was the guy they wanted to hunt down and beat up. Or I don't see the thoughts don't run through there because this thing is weird like this. This is the helmet of salvation right here. This protects our minds. Jesus Christ can do whatever he wants to do to protect and preserve me and you. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The three Hebrew guys had that attitude going into the furnace. There are just as miraculous of accounts happening today. Even though every month about 1,200 Christians are killed for their faith around the world. They're still saying the same thing. The Lord's my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I mean, they might take away my life on the planet. They might take away my breath. They may take away my body. But they can't take away my life. Because my life is hidden with Christ. My life is in Him. 
Will troublesome times come? Absolutely, they're here. If you haven't seen them, they're, they're at uh, devastating, moving toward desperate. And there's a whole lot of things we could put on that. You know, most recently, uh, we're, we're among the blessed in the world, whose uh, gross national product is about $14.1 trillion. That's what that is how much America makes in a year. And our debt is equal to it. In other words, if we took everything we made in the next full year and gave it to our debt, we could pay it off, but we're not going to do that. Raise the debt ceiling. We're going broke. We're losing our ratings. All that stuff's happening. There's a lot of unstableness going on right now. But the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I'm not trying to make this kingdom work for me. We're not trying to make this kingdom of this earth work for us. We're living in the kingdom of God by different principles. And we're going to have to prove some of those principles out in the very near future, likely. And in that future is forever, right? That's the forever part. When when this was said... um, to Moses and to Joshua chapter Deuteronomy chapter 31 Joshua chapter 1 that's where this verse comes from it says I'm going to take you in I'm going to spoil your enemies I'm going to give the land over to you I'm going to drive out your enemies in front of you they were able to say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me he was telling them to be strong enough good courage and I He said, I'm going to defeat your enemies in front of you. I'm trying to make a parallel here. I'm not sure how well I'm doing it, but uh, go with me just for a second. They were looking at a land they hadn't been to. They were going to conquer a a geography and a people group that they had not met yet. And God had promised, I'm going to take you in there and give it to you. For them, that was their future. You and I are not looking to conquer a geography. You and I are not promised to take over a people group. But nonetheless, the same God who said, I can take you, Moses, is not going in. I'm going to take Joshua and everybody else. They're going to go in and you're going to possess your future. I think that God's saying to us in this hour, your future is secure in him and he will give you your future. He will conquer the enemy of your future for you if you'll stay in him. There's a lie in our culture. There's a lie in our society that permeates and controls a lot of our thinking. It's just coming all the time. And here's what it says. You don't need God. You can be independent. You can do it yourself. I mean, people pay big dollars to go to seminars to learn that stuff. Learn how to be better. Learn how to be stronger. Learn how to be more independent. In these last days, we will not survive if we are independent of one another. And if we are independent and distant from God, it's going to be literally hell to pay. I'm not trying to threaten us this morning. I'm just saying in difficult times, we had better find this endorsement of Scripture, knowing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and He will be in my tomorrow. He hands me my future. He gives me my promise. As a church, He speaks to His body and says, This is where I'm leading. This is where I'm taking you. I will sustain you. I will be your guide. I will be your helper. I'll be your rear guard. I will encompass you. 
and I will take you into your future, and we will defeat your enemies together. I don't know what those enemies are in my future, but I do know this. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. This word fear in the original language is, is not just a trembling kind of, oh, I'm a little afraid. This word is used specifically. It's the fear that, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or how I could give an illustration that fit everybody, but it's when something happens abruptly, so sharply uh, against where you're living in the moment, that you jump up and run away. Have you ever fled from something in fear? You know, let me say, I'm not sticking around to ask questions. I'm out of here. That's what it says. I will not bolt. I will not run away. I will not let what I see coming at me cause me so much fear that I just run and hide. Because the Lord's my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and in my future. Verse 9 says, Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Paul the Apostle said something very similar in Ephesians chapter 4. That we needed to be raised up and become mature in our faith so that we wouldn't be tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine that came. Our stability comes in the Word of God. comes in knowing the principles of the Kingdom of God and living by these principles in the midst of difficult times. Otherwise, everything will get shaken. And there's a promise in the Scripture about once again I will shake. And everything that can be shaken will be. We were joking yesterday. That's how we got California. This population. Somebody lifted up by the East Coast and shook it real hard. And everything that was loose fell into California. (laughs) But God says, once again, I'll shake. Where will we sift out? Will we be found standing in faith? Will will he find us saying, I will not fear. The Lord is my helper. Man can shake all he wants. He can't. All he can do. Jesus said, you don't have to fear those guys. All they can do is take your life. Fear the one who has the power of the future in his hands. There are so many things going around right now that literally I can't keep track of them. I'm going to go on vacation. I can't handle it anymore. We have such an information flow from everywhere that one of the final exhortations that I need to be done um, because you probably have lunch you want to take me to or something. And these are just exhortations. I don't know if this is going to be my best preaching message ever. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it's good that the heart be established by grace. As I mentioned in Ephesians 4, 
Paul the Apostle says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I know I'm reading very fast. I just want to lift this chunk here and say, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints so that we wouldn't be tossed about by every little wind that comes along. In Hebrews 13, this writer is saying, in uh, verse 7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. In verse 17, it says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And between those two verses is where this writer says, be carried, don't be carried around with every uh, strange doctrine that comes along. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's my summary. Paul's writing and saying, there are leaders in the body of Christ that are there for your benefit. They're there for your benefit. So that you don't get flopped all over the place in what you believe. The writer of Hebrews says, come under that submission to those leaders. Honor them because they're watching for your souls. And so that you won't be tossed about by all these things that come down the pike. There's, there's a principle in God here. If you can find it in a few places in the Bible and apply it and, and lift it out and say, there's a biblical principle here that God has leadership in his body that's there for the protection of it. I'm one of those, right? And I'm not tooting my own horn. You already know I'm prideful and arrogant, and I stand in malls thinking I'm a movie star. <laughs> or wherever I was at. And... But I think you need to know somebody to submit to them. I think you really need to know somebody. I, I've, I'm, I can be a frustrated pastor. Okay, well, Let me vent on you. Huh. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> I've had so many Sunday mornings where somebody walk in the church. And it might have been you, so you don't mess with that with me. You come in and say, oh man, I was just watching Charles Stanley. Right before I came. And I'm going to rush home and see the next guy when I get home. I go, well, thanks for fitting me into your schedule. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, gee, thanks. Uh, Did you bring the popcorn or what? You know? (laughs) And feel a little shunted, you know? But when that person gets in trouble, do they call Charles Stanley to come? They don't. Why? Because they don't know him. And he doesn't know them. He is a teacher, of course. He is a pastor, of course. He is a shepherd in the body of Christ, of course. But he's not going to come to your house when you've got a problem. And when your kids are in the hospital, he's not going to show up. You're going to call him to get a secretary and a secretary and a secretary. And he says he's in the land. He's not coming. Right? Am I making a point? Or am I just griping? Both. You've got to know your leaders. And the leaders got to know you. If you try and submit to every leader that's out there, just pick this one weekend. If you have any clue what I'm talking about, you'll know what I'm saying. That you can get various groups gathering for prayer and fasting 
and other Christian groups attacking them for doing it. I'm not siding with anybody here. I'm just saying that even inside the house of God, we can't get along. So how can I say that those are all my leaders? And we're in a generation now where apostles are being declared left and right. Apostles, I'm an apostle of the church. I'm a prophet to the church. I'm a... What are they talking about? They're talking about some global mechanism that they want to put in place that I'm supposed to submit to. And if I don't, I'm out of order. And I'm saying, you know what? I don't know you. I can't submit to somebody I don't know. This says I need to know the outcome of their life. This says I need to be able to see what the product looks like. And we've seen enough product in the past that was lifted up as the real deal, only to see them fall in public. And I'm not against those people. I pray God's restoration power and His help be with them. And I pray that, that, that I stay true to the faith. You know, there's fear there. It's like, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to miss. I don't want to fall. I'm going to come up short. To be a leader says that somebody's following you. And if that's the truth, then like Paul the Apostle says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I should be an example. First Peter chapter 5 says to the, to the, the elders of the church, he says, to, he says, the presbyteros in the Greek, I don't know why I'm going to Greek in my head, but it says the presbyteron among you, I a sum presbyteron, also an elder, to the elders among you, I as a, an elder as well, I exhort you, be an example to the flock. That's just part of it. Be an example. Don't rule over it like you own it. Be an example. Lead it. We were talking yesterday about the old story of the guy who was touring in England. And he looked out his tour bus and here's this, this guy in this flock of sheep. And he's behind him and he's got his stick and he's going like this and the sheep are moving down the road. He thought, that's odd. So the bus parked and here come this guy. With he ran over to the guy and said, hey, I... I'm a little confused. All the pictures I ever saw was the, you know, the shepherd leading his flock. And you're back there whooping away on him like this. He goes, oh, I'm not a shepherd, man. I'm a butcher. <laughs> How do you know the difference? If it's just remote, if it's just a, online, if it's just an article, if it's just a video, if it's a, some distant remote input that's always coming at you, how do you know? If it's a shepherd or if it's a butcher. See, I'm not vying for my own position here. But I'll use myself as an example. You can see me. <laughs> you can touch me. By the way, didn't I see you on your birthday? I did. And I didn't even say happy birthday to her. We were just sort of doing the post office dance. You know how that goes. You're going to get in. Sometimes you want to go at night so you don't see anybody. Oh, I know you. I know you. So I'm going to go late at night. Pastor Jeff won't be there. Happy birthday. And, and, and that's what we're talking about. I mean, does Charles Stanley know your birthday? Maybe that's not the biggest, most important thing. And I've missed all of your birthdays at least ten times. But every now and then I remember, but you can touch me. right? You can yell at me. You can pray with me. We can be together. And if you're hurting, we'll be there. More of the leaders will come. We'll pray together. In the last days, things are going to get tough. And it's not this independent thing is not going to work. This American culture is not going to serve us well. 
when we try and do it ourselves and be alone. And what does that mean? That means a lot of sacrifice of being together. It's not convenient to have people live in your house. It's not convenient to share. Ask your kids. Share. I mean, you have to tell them, share that. No, I mean now. You know, you're, you're on them because you want to learn to share. We get to be adults, we go, I'm not sharing anymore. <laughs> you know, what's mine is mine, what's yours is mine, and mine is mine. Is hey, can I borrow your car? Oh, well, thanks, so. I've, I've seen the way you drive. You know. Well, I was borrowing yours because I've seen the way you drive. You know. <laughs> Figured it would be okay. I couldn't mess it up any worse than you do. So I, I probably should just, I'm going to close with this. Last night during prayer, and Lord, I pray this is okay. And I feel it is. Last night during the prayer meeting here, and I invite you to come on Saturday nights to pray with us at 6.30. We don't stay all night. We just pray and then we go home. But during the prayer time, it was like a video in high speed. And my, I was being carried up and down the streets of our town here. I've been all over them, so I, I know them. And I'm seeing houses go by, and, and I wish I could do video. I wish I could just plug a cord into my head and put it on the screen for you, because it would be amazing to you. It's amazing to me. The high speed, these things. I'm going down these streets, and then it kind of slows down. And I can see clearly the fronts of the houses, and I know right where I'm at. I could probably give you addresses. In fact, I could be in front of your house. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, inside some of these houses are believers who have cloistered themselves and have hidden inside. They've drawn in, and they're hurting, and they're wounded. And they're infected by things they've invited into their homes. And their, their walk with me is not healthy. They're in trouble. And yet they still don't know what to do. And, and some of it has been things they have voluntarily allowed to come into their homes through their kids, through their electronics, through their worldly connections. They've invited things into their homes and now they're trapped inside and they're being beaten to death by it. And then the thing would speed up. And I'm seeing houses and I could give you names on those houses. And I'm saying, Lord, no, not there. About halfway through this high-speed video I'm experiencing, my heart leaps inside of me and says, I sure hope he doesn't go down my street. <laughs> I thought maybe he was going to park at my house. I say, this guy's really in trouble. That didn't happen because, because I'm a movie star. <laughs> I, li- I live in a different world. And so we began to pray. Because, you know, you get revelation like that. It's not just for your entertainment. Lord, help us to divest ourselves of those things which we invite into our lives that crush us and kill us. It has come slowly and over time. We've allowed it. We've given up the fight to push back and keep our homes pure and a place of godliness. God, forgive us. God, blow up our electronics. Don't, you know, we can do it so easily. We can just invite it in through a little cord. And nobody outside knows it, but you're dying inside your house. And as we began to pray, 
second video can starts and I'm seeing the fronts of houses and Jesus is walking out of the doorway like a fireman holding this limp person he's walking out of the house with him he is radiant he's that wrapped himself in light picture you think of and he's carrying them through the doorway and I'm, and I'm saying God rescue them and praying God rescue us rescue the hurting rescue. they're limp they can't even run out the house themselves there's like for the firefighters you understand they're overcome by smoke inhalation and they're, they're limp and you have to bring them out and revive them I see Jesus bringing them out and my mind is just overwhelmed by the volume of this is that how many homes in the world are there that he's needing to do this and how many of us need to be touched and rescued by the Christ and I think well what's he going to do with all of these that he's rescuing it's just, I'm kind of analytical that way I'm an analytical movie star I think that's a lot of people what is he going to do with them and then I saw him giving them to the church now the church is not a building church is us church is the family of God and in the moment of our mowing our yard Jesus is going to walk up and hand one to us we're going to be in our grocery shopping and Jesus is going to hand one to us we're going to be driving down the street and there they are sitting next to the road and Jesus is going to say put them in your car he's got to deliver them to the church and so now we're praying in the prayer of me I'm praying out loud I'm saying God prepare our hearts we've got to be able to love the unlovely Lord would you help us to be able to receive those who have actually inflicted upon themselves the damage that's done I mean, that's like saying I'm going to take care of the burn victim who set themselves on fire and I'm going to love them while I'm doing it I'm not going to despise them for doing it I'm going to love them and say God we're going to need your love the body of Christ is going to have to expand its capability to embrace the wounded that's a prayer meeting and we prayed those things God give us the grace give the church the ability in these days to understand how to share and, and this for me comes right out of this verse 16 of Hebrews 13 where it says but don't forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased there are hurting people all around us and some of us in this room are probably hurting just as easily it may be some of our homes that I got to see. I'm never going to disclose that. Nor would I ever use it in any kind of a wrong way. Except to pray. God, rescue that household. Go in, Father, where the fire is burning and bring them out. And Lord, bring them out and deliver them to the body of Christ that's ready to receive them. Prepare our hearts to love people who are unlovely. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to love people like the one in the mirror who is also unlovely. We can dress it up, but God knows the heart. The sign-off on Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, verse 20, 
who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete, perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse, the very last sentence, 25, grace be with you all. Amen. I need His grace in this hour to be able to declare by faith, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and He's in charge of my future. I'm going to hold on fast to the one who is unchanging and whom there is no shadow of turning, who will keep me no matter what comes. And I'm going to stay close to leadership and the body of Christ so I can touch and feel and experience life together with others who are going through the same things. And I'm going to benefit from their wisdom. And they're going to benefit from mine. And we're going to get through this together, whatever it is. And may His grace be with us as we do it, because if it isn't His grace, then it's just a lot of hard work. It's not going to produce much. But if we allow His grace to come and His life to live through us, then we'll be able to receive and love the unlovely. We'll be able to love one another, as the Bible says. We'll be able to do good to one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, all the one another's. We'll be able to actually do them. And it'll be out of a right heart. It'll be out of love. It'll be out of mercy. It'll be out of condition that comes from the kingdom of God, not the culture. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen. We've been rescued. Father, may you rescue us further, I pray. Lord, bring your will to pass. You taught us to pray, Jesus, kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. Here and now. In this place. Father, I pray that you will continue to rescue those who are hurting. Now that you'll put your hands on us and anoint us to be your dispatched, your servants, to go into those places and into those homes and declare truth and to bring people out alive and deliver them into the body of Christ for care, for nurturing for help and aid. Lord, use us as your hands extended to a world that's hurting. God, use us as loving and concerned brothers and sisters in Christ by spending us on those we see who are erring in their judgment, who are distracted by the world, who have allowed the busyness of life and the cares of life to come up and choke the Word of God out of their relationship. Lord, don't let us become judges. Let us become the merciful. You be the just judge of all men. Let us be the appliers of mercy and grace and help in time of need. I ask this in Jesus' name, Father, because it's only through Him that anything's ever going to really work. It's only by His power and His ability. We're living through the church, the body of Christ, that life will actually occur. And so I ask it in His name. For his sake and for his glory and his honor, may you have, Jesus, the reward of your suffering. Amen.
thank you for letting me hang out with you today.